This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Get the little ones, sit back, relax, and listen to the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences. Chapter 2 That night, Abigail's father made meatloaf. Meatloaf was a special favorite in the Brannigan household, and it seemed clear to Abigail what her father was trying to do. It was a distraction. He was hoping that something delicious would make his wife forget that she was still very cross about her only daughter opening a detective agency in the garage. And he was probably also hoping that his daughter's mouth would be too full for her to make matters any worse. It was a peace offering an attempt to bring the family together in a discussion on a subject that they could all agree on, that this meatloaf was delicious. Abigail knew it, and she was certain that her mother knew it too. This, Abigail decided, made it an extremely bad tactic. It was, however, extremely good meatloaf, and he made it without fanfare after working all day, and he had to turn the oven on in June to make it happen, so, for a time... Everyone seemed to agree to a truce as they sat down. The fragile peace still held, but it brought with it a stony silence that hung over the Brannigan dinner table, like the air that hangs heavy and still before a storm breaks. Abigail looked at her plate. There were eleven green beans left, and approximately three-quarters of a piece of meatloaf. There were also some mashed potatoes, which are kind of shapeless things by definition, and Abigail found it difficult to calculate how much of them remained, except that it was more than she would have liked it to be. She sighed quietly and poked a green bean with her fork. She looked back and forth between her parents. Her father was resolutely pretending that everything was fine, and her mother was trying to humor him. They were doing their very best silent pantomime impression of a family dinner. Still, Abigail thought, at least they had not told the story of how she had demanded meatloaf in a fancy restaurant when she was three. They always told that story, even though it had been told almost every time that meatloaf had been served in the Brannigan household since the day it had happened. But not today. Abigail did not want to hear baby stories about baby things that she did when she was a baby because she was not a baby anymore. She would start middle school in the fall. She had made that point in no uncertain terms the last time that the meatloaf story had been told, and no one seemed to have forgotten, because instead of telling the story for the three billionth time, they were sitting in awkward silence. Abigail decided to take these small victories where she could find them, and she crammed a large piece of meatloaf into her mouth, while looking as much as possible as if she was not really enjoying it. "'It certainly was a beautiful day,' Abigail's father said at last, not noticing that Abigail's mouth was full until it was too late. "'It certainly was,' her mother replied, a little sharply. "'Not that Abigail would have noticed.' "'I noticed,' 
Abigail said, stuffing the meatloaf into her cheek enough to reply. The door was open. I could see... things. Sitting in the garage all day, Abigail's mother said with a forced smile that was not very much like a smile at all. Doesn't that sound like a perfect way to spend a beautiful day, Henry? Well, her father began, you could have gone for a bike ride or, or to the library, Abigail's mother said as the unspoken truce shattered and the storm broke. Abigail's eyes drifted back to her plate as if they knew exactly how this conversation was going to go and felt they really didn't need to be involved. You could have gone to the rec center or the pool or the park, but you didn't. No, I didn't, Abigail agreed, patting her mashed potatoes with a flat of her fork. No, you moved from the basement to the garage. Her mother tried to lock eyes with her daughter, but Abigail was having none of it. Well, at least the door was open, Abigail's father said cheerfully, grasping at straws. She could see things. Abigail's mother was much more successful at meeting her husband's gaze, and he cleared his throat and fell silent. I wasn't just sitting in the garage, Abigail protested to her plate. No, I noticed that, her mother said, warming up to the subject. Apparently, we have opened a detective agency. Henry, did you know that we had opened a detective agency in the garage? Mr. Brannigan did know that, actually, as it had come up several times, and was what had actually provoked the meatloaf which had now failed to keep the peace. He was, however, smart enough to know that the comment had not really been directed at him, even though his name had been used. "'Told me to do something, and I did something,' Abigail protested. "'Abby!' her mother began. "'Abigail!' Abigail corrected, more crossly than she had intended, her eyes flashing back to her mother. There was a quiet moment at the table. Abigail really had not intended to snap at her mother, and she worried for a moment that she had hurt her mother's feelings. But she felt this was an important point and did not wish to back down. She waited a moment and then repeated herself much more gently. "'Abigail,' she said. Abigail had recently decided that she was not to be called Abby anymore, but was to be called Abigail, which was her proper name, after all, and why would they have given it to her if they did not mean for her to use it? It had been a month or two, but there were still isolated pockets of resistance." Abigail's older brother would have none of it, but he was away at college and had found a summer job near his school and was not coming home this summer, except occasionally with an enormous bag of laundry, so he didn't count. Everyone else had accepted the situation. Abigail's father almost never forgot. Abigail's mother was another story. "'Why don't you do something with Molly?' Abigail's father began, trying to change the subject." Too late, he noticed his wife shaking her head to prevent the question. Abigail noticed a head shake, too, and it made her cross. She did not like it when they tried to tiptoe around her. Molly's at camp, Abigail said plainly, as if reminding him of something that he already knew, and Mr. Brannigan had a sinking feeling that perhaps he did and had just forgotten. But I thought you girls didn't want to do camp this year, he said, his brows knit in confusion. Not day camp, Abigail said. Day camp is for babies. 
Mr. Brannigan was fairly certain that the day camp which Abigail and her friends had been going to for years took registrations up to age 15, and he opened his mouth to say so. But this time he caught his wife's eye as she shook her head, and he stopped himself. "'Molly's at actual camp,' Abigail said, "'with canoes and cabins and woods and things, all summer.' "'Abigail, I told you,' her mother began, I just don't know how I feel about sleepaway camp. I know how I feel about it, Abigail muttered through her meatloaf, knowing that the conversation was over. Abigail's father drummed his fingers on the table, feeling slightly awkward but still trying to solve a problem that he didn't fully understand. Mm, what about Rosalie? he asked. What is a... is Rosalie... um... He drifted away, and Abigail knew without looking that her mother was shaking her head at her father, trying to prevent the question from being asked. Abigail swallowed the mouthful of meatloaf she was working on and reached for her milk. Rosalie went away with our whole family, Abigail said seriously, for the entire summer. Mr. Brannigan nodded to himself as he realized that he had in fact already heard this one before. Well... He smiled broadly at his daughter. <laughs> at least you aren't jealous about that, am I right? Both Abigail and her mother looked at him as if he had nine heads. Oh, come on! Mr. Brannigan grinned. Stuck in a car with me and your mom for two months? <laughs> he laughed, and it came out as a little snort, like it sometimes did. Mrs. Brannigan frowned at her husband and shook her head gently to try and make him stop. But Abigail actually smiled at her father which he suddenly realized he had not seen in days, and he felt quite clever about the entire conversation. Oh, I know, he said excitedly, feeling encouraged. Why don't you call Flora? Flora has a job, Abigail and her mother both replied in unison. Mr. Brannigan looked stricken. Uh, uh a job? he asked in astonishment. Flora was a little bit older than most of the girls that she was close friends with, and things tended to happen to her first. And whatever milestone she reached, all of the other girls in Abigail's circle of friends could see no reason why they shouldn't have reached it as well, even though they were younger. It had been happening for years. Two-wheelers, training wheels, phones, and now apparently it had happened with a summer job at her uncle's ice cream bar. Abigail's father knew when he was beaten. He mumbled something quietly about the meatloaf being delicious, even though he had cooked it, and moved things around on his plate with his fork. Abigail's mother did not admit defeat so easily. Abby, she began, and quickly corrected herself. Abigail, she smiled. I wish you could just try and see the positives. There would be plenty of days and months and years for you to leave home, to, to go away, or, or to spend all day working in a job. There won't be that many more days for you to do whatever you want to do, and be whoever you want to be. Abigail frowned. Her mother really seemed to be talking about herself, but Abigail didn't quite know how to say that, so she said nothing. I, I just want you to enjoy yourself, Mrs. Brannigan said in frustration, to have one more special summer just being a little girl. Abigail bristled visibly at this. That isn't who I want to be, she said quietly. Her mother smiled a tight smile and nodded, as if she agreed, even though she did not. I know, sweetie, she said. But these days are special, and when they're gone, they never come back. 
don't be in such a rush to leave them behind. I didn't leave, Abigail said, picking up a green bean in her fingers and biting its head off. Everybody else left. Sweetie, Mrs. Brannigan said, her smile fading. If you only knew how much I would give to have one more summer like yours. You can have this one, Abigail said. I'm not using it. There was a moment of silence at the table, and Abigail wondered if perhaps she had not taken things one step too far. Abigail's father cleared his throat and waded heroically back into the conversation. You know, Abigail, when I was your age, my favorite book was Tom Sawyer. Daddy, not Tom Sawyer again, Abigail almost whispered. She rolled her eyes for an instant until she noticed that her mother was also rolling her big dark eyes in a nearly identical manner. Abigail sat up straighter and paid very close attention to her father, who seemed startled by this sudden focus. "'I was just saying,' he said, blinking through his glasses, "'I was reminded of the time. Tom and his friends were about your age when they decided to be pirates and—' "'Pirates?' Abigail asked, her face falling. "'Did they sail the seas and steal and murder people?' Abigail's father's train of thought came crashing to a halt— No, he said, blinking. Then they weren't pirates, Abigail said simply. They were stupid kids playing pretend. I am not a little girl, and I don't want to play something. I want to do something. So, you opened a detective agency in the garage, her mother said. Yes, Abigail said with an emphatic wave of her hands, as if relieved that someone finally understood. Well, that settles that then, Mr. Brannigan said with a smile. He looked from his wife to his daughter and back again, and felt very strongly that he had not put his foot in his mouth at all that time, as no one at all was frowning at him, though it was possible that they were both looking at him like he had fish fins and was speaking Esperanto. He pushed up his glasses and looked back at them hopefully. "'Dessert?' he asked cheerfully. Are you in the mood for a good laugh? (laughs) Or maybe a good scream? How about some childlike wonder? Or a thought-provoking mystery? Then get your ears ready for a treat, because the Mutual Audio Drama Network presents shows every day for your enjoyment. Each day is a different genre featuring the talents of a huge pool of audio drama masters. Oh, and some clever comedy creators as well. (laughs) Subscribe to the Mutual feed and get them all, or choose the genres you really love. You'll find the Mutual Audio Network at all your favorite places, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, EarBuddies, Podcast-O-Rama, Casting Call, Codpast, and wherever quality shows are found. Okay, I made a few of those up. Or simply go online to MutualAudioNetwork.com. And of course, it's all free. free. The Mutual Audio Drama Network. Listen and imagine together. Maintaining social distancing, of course.